Chapter Fifteen of The Wild Huntress. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Sylvia M. B. in Washington State. The Wild Huntress by Thomas Main Reed. Chapter Fifteen. Making a clean breast of it. Where is she? Gone? I mechanically asked in a tone that must have betrayed my surprise. Yes, gone, gone. A Mormon, a Mormon, aye, stranger, a Mormon, a man with twenty wives. Go forgive her. I'd rather hear to her death. Was there a man with her? I saw no one. Oh, stranger, excuse my talk. You're thinking of that air Injun girl. Tain't her I'm speaking about. Who then? The young hunter hesitated. He was not aware that I was already in possession of his secret, but he knew that I had been witness of his emotions, and to declare the name would be to reveal the most sacred thought of his heart. Only for a moment did he appear to reflect, and then, as if relieved from his embarrassment by some sudden determination, he replied, "'Stranger, I don't see why I shouldn't tell you about this business. I don't know the reason, but you made me feel kind of confidence in you. I know it's a silly sort of thing to fall in love with a handsome girl.' but if you had only seen her i have no doubt from what you say she was a beautiful creature this was scarcely my thought at the moment and as for falling in love with a pretty girl none of us are exempt from that little weakness the proud roman conqueror yielded to the seductions of the brown-skinned egyptian queen and even hercules himself was conquered by a woman's charms there is no particular silliness in that it is but the common destiny of man well stranger it's been mine and i've had reason to be sorry for it but it's no use trying to shit up the stable arter the hoss has been stole out of sheer gone now and that's the end of it i reckon i never sit eyes on her again the sigh that accompanied this last observation with the melancholy tone in which it was uttered told me that i was talking to a man who had truly loved no doubt thought i some strapping backwoods wench has been the object of his passion for what other idea could I have about the child of a coarse and illiterate squatter? Love is as blind as a bat, and this red-haired hoyden has appeared a perfect Venus in the eyes of the handsome fellow, as not unfrequently happens, a Venus with evidently a slight admixture of the prudential Juno in her composition. The young backwoodsman is poor, the schoolmaster perhaps a little better off, in all probability not much, but enough to decide the preference of the shrewd Marian such were my reflections at the moment partly suggested by my own experience but you have not yet told me who this sweetheart was you say it is not the indian damsel you've just parted with no stranger nothing of the can though there are some injun in her too twere heard a girl spoke when you heard her talk a half-blood she ain't just that she's more white than injun her mother only war a half-blood of the chickasaw nation that used to belong in these parts her name it war marion hope it are now stebbins i suppose since i've just heard she's married to a fellow o that name she has certainly not improved her name she heard the daughter of hope the squatter the same war you say you're a-goin there's another as i told you but she's a younger un her name's lillian a pretty name the older sister was very beautiful you say i never set eyes on the like o her does the younger one resemble her ain't a bit like her different as a squirrel from a coon 
she's more beautiful then well that depends on people's ways of thinking most people as know em liked lillian the best and thought her the handsomest of the two that wa'n't my notion besides lily's only a young critter not out of her teens yet but if she be also pretty why not try to fall in love with her down in mexico where i've been lately they have a shrewd saying un clavo saca otro clavo meaning that one nail drives out another as much as to say that one love cures another all oh, stranger that may be very well in mexico where i've heerd they ain't particular about their way of lovin but we've a sayin here jest the contrary to that two bars can't get into the same trap <laughs> well your backwards proverb is perhaps the truer one as it is the more honest but you have not yet told me the full particulars of your affair with marion you say she has gone away from the neighbourhood you shall hear it all stranger i reckon there can be no harm in tellin it to you and if you've a mind to listen i'll make a clean breast of the whole business the hunter proceeded with his revelation to him a painful one and although i had already divined most of the particulars i interrupted him only with an occasional interrogative the story was as i had anticipated he had been in love with marian holt and was under the impression that she returned it she had given him frequent meetings in the forest in that very glade where we had encountered the indian girl and in which we were still lingering her father was not aware of these interviews there had been some coolness between him and the young hunter and the lovers were apprehensive that he might not approve of their conduct this was the prologue of the hunter's story the epilogue i give in his own words twar a morning just five months ago she had promised to meet me here and i war seated on yonder log waiting for her just then some injuns were coming to the glade that girl ye saw war one of em she had a nice bullet pouch to sell and i bought it the girl would insist on putting it on and while she were doing so i was fool enough to give her a kiss some devil had put it in my head just at that minute who should come right into the glee but marion herself i mean nothing but kissing the engine but i suppose marion thought i did she already talked to me about this very girl and i believe war a little bit jealous of her for the engine ain't to say ill-looking i want to apologize to marion but she wouldn't listen to a word and went off away i never seed her in before twar the last time i ever set eyes on her indeed ay stranger and it's only this minute and from that same injun girl that i've heard she's married and gone off to the mormons the injuns had it from some of her people that seed marion across in the prairies that indian damsel suwanee i think you named her what of her oh stranger that's another o the consequences o doing what ain't right since the day i gin her that kiss she nibber let me alone but used to bother me every time i met her in the woods and would a come ar to meet in my own cabin if it hadn't been for the dogs that would tar an engine to pieces she war afeard of them but not o me no matter how i threatened her i war so angry with her for what had happened though arter all twere more my fault than hern but i war so vexed with her about the ill luck that i used to keep out of her way as well as i could and didn't speak to her for a long time she got riled about that and threatened revenge and one night as i war a comin' from swampville about this time only twere as dark as a pot o pitch i war just ridin out into this very glade 
when all of a sudden my old hoss again a jump forward and i feel something prick me from behind toward a stab of some sort of knife that cut me a little above the hip and made me bleed like a buck i knowed who did it though not that night for it was so dark among the bushes i couldn't see a stem but i came back in the morning and seed tracks they were the tracks of a moccasin i knowed em to be hern suwanee's tracks sartin i'd know em well enough as i'd often seed her tracks through the creek bottom did you take no steps to punish her well no i didn't how was that i think it would have been prudent of you to have done something if only to prevent a recurrence of the danger well stranger to tell the truth i war a little ashamed of the whole business had it been a man i'd a punished him but they do say the girl in love with me arter her injun way and i didn't like to be revengeful besides it war mostly my own fault i had no business to a fool with her and you think she will not trouble you again i don't know about that arter what's happened that night she'd gone away threatening again i did think she'd gin up the notion of revenge for she knowed i found out that twar her that stabbed me i told her so the next time i seed her and she appeared pleased about my not having her taken up she said it was generous of the white eagle that's a name her people guys me for there's a gang of them still living down the creek she gin me a sort of promise she wouldn't trouble me again but i weren't sure of her that's the reason stranger i didn't want you to go too far away i think it would be prudent in you to keep well on your guard this redskin appears to be rather an unreflecting damsel and from what you have told me a dangerous one she certainly has a strange way of showing her affection but it must be confessed you gave her some provocation and as the poet says hell knows no fury like a woman scorned what true stranger her conduct however has been too violent to admit of justification you appear to have been unfortunate in your sweethearts with each in an opposite sense one loves you too much and the other apparently not enough but how is it you did not see her again marion i mean well you understand i wa'n't on the best times with old hick holt and couldn't go to his clan besides after what had happened i didn't like to go near marion anyhow least way for a while i thought it would blow over soon she find out that he war on the joking with the injun so one would have supposed twar nigh two weeks afore i heerd anything of her then i learnt that she war gone away nobody could tell why or where for nobody knew shippin hick holt hisself and he ain't the sort of man to tell secrets lord of mercy i know now and it's worse than i expected ah the sooner heerd she war dead a deep-drawn sigh from the very bottom of his soul admonished me that the speaker had finished his painful recital i had no desire to prolong the conversation i saw that silence would be more agreeable to my companion and as if by a mutual and tacit impulse we turned our horses heads to the path and proceeded onward across the glade as we were about entering the timber on the other side my guide reined up his horse and sat for a moment gazing upon a particular spot as if something there had attracted his attention what there was no visible object at least none that was remarkable on the ground or elsewhere another sigh with the speech that followed explained the singularity of his behaviour thar said he pointing to the entrance of the forest path thar's the place where i last looked on marion chapter fifteen